0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 136. I know I sound different. I sound different. I'm actually in a different room than usual. In fact, I'm in a different city than usual. I'm recording this from a hotel room in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a long way from home, folks. I am... At a conference this week, the National Association of College and University Attorneys Conference here in Minneapolis. As you guys know, if you follow this show and you follow kind of what I do, I sort of live two lives as an attorney. You know me as an entertainment lawyer who work with artists, an indie artist helping you move your careers forward. That's one side of my life. But I also work with a lot of education companies. I have an education law practice. I just bumped the mic there. Sorry about that. I work with virtual uh, schools. I work with charter schools. I work with nonprofits. And I work with colleges. And I am so grateful that I get to do these two different areas of law that I love so much. And I really don't want to pick one. I, I, I would love to be able to practice these two very different areas of law As long as I possibly can, because I find them both very fulfilling. But every once in a while, they do cross and they meet, and it creates some weirdness, because now I'm here at a conference for my higher education law practice, but I'm here also recording this podcast episode for my entertainment law work. Uh, Try to stick with me, folks. It's pretty crazy, but I am dedicated to this uh, podcast. In fact, I'm so dedicated that I'm actually here recording this on a lunch break between sessions at the conference. I skipped lunch. Like You hear this? You hear this? That is the candy bar that is the wrapper of the candy bar that I am eating instead of going to lunch so that I can record this podcast for you guys because just because I'm traveling doesn't mean that I want to deprive you guys of your podcast this week and it's going to be a good one but first let me do some housekeeping I encourage you I beseech you I am asking you nicely to follow our new Twitter account the break the business podcast after 136 episodes finally has its own Twitter account. You can check it out at The BTB Podcast. That's The BTB Podcast. And keep an eye on that podcast because we're going to be doing a giveaway, a book giveaway for that podcast pretty soon. So if you don't have a copy of the Break the Business book and you're looking for a way to get it, follow the Break the Business podcast on Twitter because we're going to be doing a giveaway through that account And um, so you're going to get a lot of podcast specific stuff from that account so that when you're following my own account at Ryan K.A.I.R., that's my personal account. Uh, you can just get some Ryan-specific tweets there. So follow them both because they serve different purposes. At uh, Ryan, K-A-I-R is my personal account where you can, you know, I'll give you a lot of entertainment law updates and you can keep up on the things I'm doing. But then we also have this podcast-specific account at The B-T-B Podcast where you can get all your podcast updates. Our guest this week, so excited and a little bit later in this episode to talk to Bobby Ousinski. Love this dude. He's a friend of the show. Um, If you've listened to this podcast, we've had him on a couple times. He brings it every time. So informative, so knowledgeable. He's a great musician. He's a great author. He is a flat-out industry expert. You can check him out at BobbyAusinski.com. He's got the Music 3.0 blog. He has the Inner Circle podcast, all good stuff. And I love it when he comes on this show because he's always got great information for us. And we got him on because... I wanted to talk to him because last week we actually talked about an article of his that he wrote about how Spotify is going to offer direct licensing deals to artists and possibly even offer advances to artists, to, uh, to indie artists, to get them to put their music on Spotify. And I figured if we're going to talk about Bobby Osinski's article, let me get him on this week and we can talk to the man right himself. Um, and because the, the story he wrote about is utterly fascinating. It's a big deal. Uh, Spotify making this move, trying to do deals with indie artists directly to try to incentivize these indie artists to not sign with labels. You're seeing a huge shift in the balance of power. We've never seen Spotify really want to take on the labels as directly as they're doing right now with these news stories, talking about how they want to deal directly with indie artists and even offer those indie artists advances to stay independent. Um, over time, because Spotify is really playing the long game here with this, this could weaken the record labels power. It could make Spotify stronger and the major labels weaker. And I mean, and ultimately it's more profitable for Spotify. If they can cut the labels out of the deal, if they can reduce the number of artists on Spotify that are signed to a label by cutting out that middleman, they can save money They can get more profit. And so that's really what they're going for. And it means more money for the indie artists too, because if they're not having to, if the indie artist isn't sharing Spotify money with a label, it means more money for those indie artists, especially if Spotify is willing to offer you, the indie artist an advance, which they're uh, doing in a lot of cases. So really exciting. And one of the things that you're going to have to make in terms of a decision as an indie artist, if you're making that choice between going indie or ultimately signing with a label, now this new Spotify announcement might affect your calculus a bit. If you know that there's an entity out there that's going to perhaps pay you advances to stay independent, maybe that makes going indie just a little bit more attractive. But we're going to talk to Bobby about that because I'm going to ask him that specific question. If if you, and We'll ask him straight out. If you're an indie artist and you see these Spotify announcements about how they're doing deals with indie artists directly... How does that affect your decision as an indie artist to either stay indie or sign with a a label? That's all coming up in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be an awesome interview. Awesome, awesome, awesome. This guy is great. How do I know it's going to be awesome? Well, look, I can tell you it's because Bobby Ascensi is amazing and he's knowledgeable and he's been on the podcast before and he's a real expert. Um, And I'd be right all of that in terms of why I think this interview is going to be awesome. But I could also tell you it's going to be awesome because I pre-recorded the interview with Bobby earlier this week when I was back in Miami, so I know it's a good one. But either way, both are true. Even if even if I didn't pre-record this video, this interview with Bobby earlier this week in Miami, I could still tell you it's going to be awesome. So don't go anywhere for that. But before we bring him in, I want to uh, quickly mention a piece of news that I've just had my eye on. One of the things I've always said on this podcast is that I consider it my responsibility. To keep you as an independent artist entrepreneur informed about big developments in the law that are going to affect your business. Because if you're the boss, if you're at the top of your own pyramid, if you are the person in charge of your career because you're an indie artist entrepreneur, it is your responsibility to keep up on laws that affect your business and so anything I can do to help you with that, that's what I'm here for, and this is an interesting law that's come in that's really been getting a lot of traction lately, and you know, we love talking about copyright laws around here, and here's a new one. Uh, I was reading on June 18th, the president of the Songwriters Guild of America, a guy named Rick Carnes, uh, testified in Congress in support of a bill that's been floating around Congress for a while called the CASE Act. It's been around since 2017, but we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, and I think we're going to be doing it a lot now over the next few weeks because it's starting to pick up some momentum. So the CASE Act, CASE stands for Copyright Alternative in Small Claims Enforcement Act. And this law could have big implications for you as an indie artist. So you want to follow this as it makes its way through the legislative process, because if it gets passed, it's going to mean a lot for you as an indie artist. And this current political climate with who's in the White House and who's in Congress, this is a... Political situation in which copyright reform is more likely to happen. Um, I mean, if <laughs> I mean, aside from all the other current issues and the problems we're having with this political climate, this is a government that is likely to pass some significant copyright reform. I think the Music Modernization Act is going to get passed, and I think it's possible that this CASE Act might get passed eventually. So let's talk about a little bit about what this ca- the CASE Act is. So here's an issue that you're often confronting as an artist. Let's say you make some music and people are infringing your work. It's going to happen. People are going to post your music on YouTube without your permission, or they're going to you know, u- license your music or you know use your music without a license or just do a whole bunch of stuff with your art, uh, and they don't pay you for it, and they don't get your permission. And what do you do when that happens? Well, in this industry and in, in the age of the Internet, it can often feel like, your options are limited. If somebody uses your work without your permission, uh, you can send them a DMCA notice or you can send the provider a DMCA notice. You can send a cease and desist letter. But ultimately, if somebody wants to steal your stuff, there's not much of a stick that you can use to stop them from doing it. Um, And now you're saying, well, why can't I sue them? Couldn't I take them to court? Well, good luck with that. There are a lot of barriers for you, if you try to sue somebody who uses your work, litigation is very expensive. You know, take it from somebody who is more a transactional lawyer. Yours truly, because litigation is a, is a big pain. And I, it, I I've done some litigation in the past. It's been tough on me, tough on my clients, and and so I it's never you know I always say with litigation there's it's not a winner and a loser. There is a loser and a person who loses a little less. Everyone loses in litigation because it's expensive. It's a terrifying experience. It's long. It's a very hard way, very difficult way to settle any disputes. Like, really, it's your last resort option if you can't figure anything else out. And in the world of copyright infringement, it's likely that whoever's stealing your stuff Um, The damages that you could possibly get from somebody infringing your work are so small that it's just not going to be worth it for any lawyer to take your case. So that's the issue is um, in this, in the way the industry works now, it's really, really hard for you to have a mechanism to advocate for your rights. And so that's where the CASE Act comes in. It's trying to combat this. Basically, what the CASE Act does is it would create a arbitration-type panel within the Copyright Office that would handle the disputes in sort of a small claims court-type setting. Like, sort of imagine if somebody steals your work, and instead of taking them to a fe- instead of literally making a federal case out of it, you get to take them to like a Judge Judy setting. You know, where it's it's more informal, it's more small claimsy. And uh, you may be having more of a chance to get the justice that you're looking for. At least that's the idea behind the case Act. And so it really plays to a lot of the needs of indie artists, at least in theory. So let me tell you a little bit about what the Case Act says in terms of how these disputes would work. First of all, under the Case Act, this uh, judge Judy, small claims court setting, it's a voluntary forum. Um, both parties have to agree to use this alternative forum. Um, you know, if neither part, if one of the parties says, no, I want to go to federal court, then it goes to federal court. I'm not sure how I feel about this because I could see this rule being abused and 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 it helping big businesses. Because um, if you're, if, let's say a big business is stealing your work, some big content company stole your work and isn't giving you a proper compensation for it. You try to take them to the small claims panel because you can't afford expensive litigation. Well, what's the big company going to do? They're not going to let you take it to the case act small claims panel. They're going to make a federal case out of it because they have the resources to go to that court, and they're essentially going to price you out of your own justice. And so that could be a little bit problematic. We'll see how we'll see as the you know as the case act gets amended how that might change. Uh, Another thing you need to know about the case act: it is limited to disputes of thirty thousand dollars or less. Definitely a small claims court. Another thing, the judges quote unquote on this panel are all going to be copyright experts, which is actually a pretty good thing. Uh, a lot of federal judges, you know, they are not really good with handling copyright matters. Copyright is a very specialized area of law. Um, you know, you really got to know the nuances of it. You, you know, you need experience in it. And so a lot of judges don't have it. They may only, uh, experience a few copyright cases in their lifetime and they just aren't comfortable with this area of law. But this case act, uh, panel which is going to be staffed with nothing but copyright experts could provide more expertise for you to get your rights vindicated and another thing about this law which i think is actually kind of cool is the case act small claims panel will not require physical presence in the hearings in theory you could you could get your hearing in like a a video conference or a teleconference format which is really i mean so modern and and uh, it would make litigation less expensive. It would make hiring a lawyer less expensive because you don't have to go somewhere. Um, Really kind of futuristic stuff, kind of ahead of the curve. I like that piece of the law. But in terms of how I feel about the law as a whole, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not 100% sure about how I feel about it yet. It could theoretically provide you as an indie artist another form to get justice when someone steals your work. But You know, there are a lot of things about the law that I'm still not 100% on. I want to hear some more stuff. And more importantly, I want to hear from some experts. So over the next few weeks, I'd love to bring in some folks on this podcast to talk about the case act to kind of get the pros and the cons so that you artists can be informed about how to protect your rights. So keep an eye on that. That's going to be pretty exciting for the next few weeks. And in the meantime, so excited to talk to Bobby Osinski coming up right now on the Break the Business podcast. As we discussed on last week's episode, sources are reporting that Spotify is starting to strike direct deals with independent artists and in some cases even offering advances to artists to get them to license their music to Spotify directly rather than signing with a record label. Here to chat with us about the implications of this move is music industry expert and friend of the podcast, Bobby Ausinski. Hey, Bobby, always a pleasure to have you on. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. You can check out his many fantastic blogs, education resources, and books by visiting www.BobbyAwsinski.com. And boy, when I say books, do I mean books. He's got a lot of fantastic resources. Bobby, why would Spotify want to reach out and in some cases even offer advances to artists to get them to directly license their music to Spotify instead of having the artist go through a label? What is Spotify trying to accomplish here?
1: Well, what they're really trying to do, Ryan, is lower their costs because right now they're paying 54% of their income to the labels. So the whole idea of doing direct license or direct deals with the, the artists is the fact that they can lower that to 50%. And the artist still comes out ahead because they're making more money. So that's, what's attractive to both sides. And as we've seen, if, the, if they can lower their costs, then it will also affect their stock price. And already just announcing that, we've seen that happen.
0: Yeah, I have it here. Stock, uh, Spotify stock prices jumped about 10% uh, since these stories have started to come out. Is that what you think is driving uh, the inv- investors here? They just see that this is a way for Spotify to you know, become more profitable, and so you're seeing a lot more demand for the stock?
1: Well, they obviously aren't seeing the downside or the possible downside of this. And that's probably because as we go further along in this, I think there's less and less of a potential downside. The more I think about this, the more I think it's a brilliant strategy that won't come back and bite them, even though there's some talk about that happening. So we'll see. But I'm thinking that, in fact, it's really a brilliant strategy that in the long run, may actually change the balance of power in the music industry somewhat.
0: Well, what about the labels role in all this? Like, they're not just going to take this lying down. And, you know, of course, the labels have sort of a complicated relationship with Spotify because on one hand, they're supposed to be negotiating on behalf of their artists to get them the best deal. But then the majors also own a substantial share of Spotify, I guess, with the exception of Sony as of late. But um I assume they're not just going to just you know take lying down the notion that you know they're trying the Spotify's trying to cut the labels out of these deals and go to artists directly and I'm reading stories about the majors are considering trying to retaliate by preventing Spotify from expanding into new countries if there is going to be sort of a conflict here between the labels in Spotify. It sounds like you see that the the Spotify is going to have more power going forward in the industry. But how do you see that? How do you see that conflict shaking out?
1: Well, first of all, I think it should be explained that Spotify is not addressing this with or, or not inviting signed artists to do a direct deal because they can't. The right. artists... That, that are signed, they already have a deal, so they can't actually go around that. So what Spotify is doing is they're kind of looking into the future, into the crystal ball, and they're looking at indies, indie artists that have made some waves that are actually doing pretty well at, and potentially could be stars. Now, I don't know that the balance of power is shifting so much in Spotify's favor. The way I see it is that it's actually going in the artist's favor and maybe in some other companies like bmg and cobalt because those companies are rights management companies they're not record labels and they're offering better deals already to artists and basically the same type of features that a record label might have and i think we're seeing the balance or we could see the balance of power change to those type of companies now all that being said this is not going to happen tomorrow because in, in fact it's we're talking about the long term here. And also the fact that for an artist, there's it's a big deal to do a direct deal with the company like this. There are non-exclusive deals, which means that you can make a deal with someone else. And already Apple Music is making noises about doing these types of things. And if that happens, that's actually opening up the floodgates. But still for an artist, you have to think. Okay, now I have to do a direct deal with Apple Music, with Spotify, with Deezer, with Title, and on down the line. That's a lot of work. So that's why I'm thinking that the balance is going balance of power may in fact change over to these rights management companies.
0: Well, isn't couldn't that still conceivably be a net positive for artists because these rights management companies, these cobalt Type companies tend to have better deals for artists in terms of master's ownership and things like that than the major labels do, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And already we're seeing that happening where there's a lot of older artists, especially that are signing with those with Cobalt, especially. But I think that this is going to force the major labels to actually rethink what their normal deals are because now they've been able to get away with a lot. And in fact, you can drive a fairly good deal if you're a star, you're a superstar. You could get a 50% deal on streaming music, which means that the record ta- record label takes 50% of the income and you, the artist, take 50%. Now, if you do a direct deal with Spotify or with Apple Music or anyone, you make 100% of that. If you do the deal with BMG, for instance, you make 75%. So when you look at it as, let's say, an artist that isn't getting their 50% deal from a major record label, you're thinking, well, I can make a whole lot more money from this if I try something else. So that's where I think this balance of power is going to be shifting.
0: Well, let me ask you one more question before we talk about how this implicates indie artists, because I, I do think that's a fascinating dimension for this, because you talk about the shift in the balance of power. As you said before, and this has intrigued me, Spotify is offering non-exclusive licensing deals. And so in many cases, Spotify is offering substantial advances to artists to be able to license the catalog directly. Why wouldn't Spotify say, in exchange for this advance we're giving you, we want to have exclusive access to your catalog? Why, why is that not being uh, tossed around by Spotify?
1: Well, first of all, they're not paying enough money in advance to do that. They're paying substantial advances, but they're not paying the advances that a record label would pay. The other thing is, I don't think any artist wants to be saddled with a Spotify, with just one streaming network. Because really, when you look at it, you're making money from streaming, not from just one service. Maybe right now, the balance, the the over the majority may be coming from Spotify. That could change in the future. But when you look at the cumulative of all of the streaming networks around the world that you potentially could make money from, that's where the real money is coming from. So you're potentially cutting out 50% of your potential income to just do an exclusive deal with someone. So I think that's a big factor in all this. Now, another thing I should mention is record labels are not going to go away. They're needed at a certain level. If you want to to become a superstar, for instance, if you're a star already, you're selling, or, or you, you have substantial visibility and lots of streams, lots of views. In the only possibility to go to that international level right now is with the help of a record label, because the record label has, and we're talking about a major record label, they have the infrastructure that you need to do that, and for anyone for a, a minor major uh, an indie label to do it for an indie artist to reinvent the wheel it's just too expensive and it's too time consuming so record labels are not going to go away but in fact their emphasis may change
0: but isn't even that changing more and more for example I, mean, I see what like chance the rapper is doing without you know the traditional label model um i mean Aren't we we kind of seeing just a a, a cracks in that adage of just, you know, if you there's a certain level of success, if you want to attain it, you have to be with a label.
1: Well, again, now we're talking with ease of use and maybe if Chance the Rapper is a unicorn, unicorn (laughs) meeting, you know, he's uh, uh, lightning struck there and, and he lucked out on that. That's entirely possible. And it won't happen twice. So. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that it won't, but I'm just saying if you're an artist, you might look at that and think, oh, I don't know. That That's a lot of work and it's a lot of luck that happens. And maybe if I go the other way, it's a whole lot easier for me.
0: No. Well, let me ask that directly then. Now, put yourself in the shoes of an indie artist right now, maybe somebody who's really starting to get some traction and is in the kind of position that Spotify might be looking at them and being willing to offer them a... Direct licensing arrangement, perhaps with an advance. Um, how? What? What sort of fact? And I imagine we have some listeners out there who might be in that position pretty soon. What pros and cons should they be considering in terms of whether they want to keep themselves independent and take advantage of this direct licensing versus go to a label and go to the traditional route?
1: Well, I think the big thing that you'd have to think about here, the big con, would be: Will you alienate? Someone that you need down the line. So in other words, will you alienate a record label that you might eventually need? And the reason why I say that is, let's say you do a five-year deal with Spotify, but two years down the line, you decide, wow, I really need the resources that only a major label can offer me. Now you go to major label and they're going to say, yeah, but you know what? We're not going to see any money from Spotify for the next three years. So why should we be interested that's the big downside as far as I see. So you got to be really sure that you're going to go that route and it's going to be the right one for you.
0: Yeah, you got to, I guess, you know, you really want to make sure that you, you, you've you mastered those other entrepreneurial elements of running your own music career and you feel comfortable being the own boss, being your own boss, uh, if you're willing to kind of go with that route. Because we always refer to a record deal as a commitment and it certainly is one and a rather lengthy one, but Staying independent is a commitment as well, especially if you stay with a Spotify direct licensing deal and you sort of marry your catalog to Spotify for a set period.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Either way, there's a commitment there and it's neither one of them are perfect. So you have to just weigh which one is um, maybe more more in your favor yeah really... or, or what's more comfortable to you yeah,
0: you really you gotta you have to assess your own situation in your career and find the arrangement that's best for your needs folks I'm telling you if you if you are not familiar with Bobby Osinski's work uh, I mean, so many great books great blog resources music 3.0 um, you know this he actually just wrote about this very story in Forbes uh, I mean I, I could go on for hours talking about all the great stuff he does. But you should check out BobbyAusinski.com so you can find out more about him. Um, and let me close with this question. We ask it to everybody, of course. Bobby, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: Well, it still comes down to mastering social media or at least taming a part of it. And the reason why I say this is every time that I I begin to think, well, maybe social media in general has maybe run its usefulness, uh, I get something new that's shown to me that's actually shown how powerful social media can be. And just yesterday, I interviewed for my podcast uh, a guy, Nico Kutoulos, who is a analyst at um, oh big brokerage house in New York. I can't. uh, Morgan Stanley. There you go. Yeah. And he, um, he's quitting Morgan Stanley because he has 15 record label offers. He's a piano player. He hasn't done his own music just by doing covers. He's so dynamic that all of a sudden he has all of this social media. And as a result of his social media, all sorts of industry, industry notoriety, and when I spoke with him, I said, OK, how did this all happen? And he says, man, it's all from social media and it's all from knowing how to do that. So it just goes to show that you can kind of buck the trends. You can kind of go against the the general wisdom that people might have about how to do this. And if you're strong socially, you can make it work.
0: Wow, that's that's really great. And that's a great example. I I, I look forward to reading more about that story and 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 I enjoy your narrative here because I feel like I mean, I always have guests on that sort of, you know, not not diminishing the importance of social media, because, of course, it's very important. But you hear them talk about how other things are, are still more important. Oh, you got to have the website and you got to have the email list. And, of course, that's all very true. But it's nice to hear an expert like you say, hey, don't lose sight of the value that social media has, the reach it gives you, Um Really, really great stuff. Uh, Bobby Asinski, everybody. Check him out, bobbyasinski.com. Thank you very much, sir, for gracing us with your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. All right, take care.